Welcome to GovCast. I'm your host, Melissa Harris, and GovCIO Media and Research is live here at the 2022 HIMSS Conference in Orlando. Throughout the conference this week, we're here to connect with health IT leaders from federal agencies and top subject matter experts, and we're here to share those insights with you. We'll dive deeper into the work that various leaders are helming across the health IT space, and we'll be sharing those conversations across GovCast, HealthCast, and CyberCast. So make sure you follow across our shows so you don't miss out. In this episode today, we'll break down the Department of Veterans Affairs AI tech sprints. This program, ran by the VA's National Artificial Intelligence Institute, looks to prototype different AI models intended to improve the veteran's experience in short, you guessed it, sprints, and eventually aim to scale those solutions to address various veteran care needs. The sprint aims to help sharpen the way the VA addresses everything from mental health to privacy concerns. Here to break the sprints down with us is Raphael Fricks, VA NAII computer engineer. We'll talk about the structure of the sprints and exciting goals he has ahead for the program coming up soon. Thank you, Raphael, for uh, joining us at HIMSS. Uh, this is an exciting conference, and I know it's very busy, so I'm glad you're here to join us. Uh, yeah, thank you for inviting me. Of course. So um, we're here today to talk about VA's tech sprints. So can you just start by giving our listeners an idea of how the model for the tech sprints accelerate the development of novel AI tools for improving veterans' health care? Sure, just a quick introduction first. Um, I'm Dr. Rafael Fricks with the National Artificial Intelligence Institute. I'm a computer engineer, and I lead the AI Tech Sprints, which are a collaborative opportunity for us to invite teams from, uh, it's a mixture of companies, uh, universities, and non-governmental organizations to work on a prototype with the VA for a period of about three months. And how that accelerates, you know, a translation of these new devices into healthcare is that, you know, traditionally a company might might base their development of their product off government data, but it's a long cycle where they'll have to wait till you know something is made available. They'll develop the product. Uh, usually have to go through several iterations, and then once it's a completed project, traditionally that's when the VA would get involved and maybe make a purchase. Uh, the AI Tech Sprint allows us to work directly with companies in the prototyping phase. Uh, we provide some subject matter expertise. Uh, we have access to clinicians. We're the largest health system in the United States. So we can also provide some limited snippets of, of data in, in some contexts as well. And the idea is that through a three-month process, we can help develop a prototype or enhance an existing product and really tailor it for needs at the VA so that it can be deployed more readily. And, you know, after the tech sprint, of course, we go into uh, more advanced testing and, and have to go through regulatory processes to get it into clinics, but it's a start. Yeah, I just have a quick follow-up to that, and I, I'm wondering, what does the award process look like throughout, you know, choosing who you partner with and when you decide to take a certain solution and scale it up? Sure, yeah, we, we usually have a very traditional uh, process for 
recruiting companies are, I should say. Actually, you know, we have our information sessions. We announce this opportunity through challenge.gov, which is a, a government website for this kind of opportunity. Uh, we also have our AIVA community newsletter, which is open to the public. And I, I highly recommend people sign up for that. That's usually where we announce this kind of opportunity. But so when we open a new text print, we'll have an announcement, and there will usually be some sort of submission process. Now, I'm, I'm talking about usuals because we're looking to uh, reiterate on what we've done in the past for this next upcoming text print. But we, we open up a, a, submit, a application process, I should say. Uh, teams fill out a short form to be considered. We invite a select number of those teams to participate, and then uh, it's relatively straightforward at that point. We, we have weekly interactions with these teams and guide development and you know leads up to certain milestones where we check for the effectiveness of the prototype. Excellent. And you know, while you have your own process for you know developing AI with these partners, um, there are different federal directives coming down from above, like the EO on maintaining American leadership in AI. So how are these overall federal um, standards or uh, directives impacting the way that you develop AI through these tech sprints? Sure. First, I should say that you know a lot of people in our office have had influence on those executive orders, that we provide a lot of the subject matter expertise for artificial intelligence across the federal government. Um, we work uh, to build sort of the combined strategy, and in fact, we publish the VAAI strategy. Um, I think the best resource for that would be, for interested listeners, is uh, the AI.gov page that has the National AI Initiative. But uh, one of the key components of many of these different directives and strategies that we have is the principle of trustworthy AI, that we want to ensure that applications of AI that are adopted by federal agencies adhere to our trustworthy principles, which are spelled out in like the, AI, uh, the VAAI strategy. And, and those broadly relate to, you know, the effectiveness, the transparency, the equitable uh, and ethical uh, deployment of AI so that uh, AI solutions that are adopted by government should adhere to those principles or, you know, be retrofitted to adhere to those principles or decommissioned if it's not something that's feasible. But the idea is that we have strong, effective solutions that are reliable and that consistently provide value to whatever service it may be. Definitely. And um, it's really nice to see that aspect about how your agency and other agencies are helping inform these federal directives, because I feel like oftentimes we don't really look at that collaborative aspect. It always seems like it's coming from above. So thank you for that. So diving into the VA tech sprints, what are some of the projects that have come out of them and um, how have you seen them bolstering veterans healthcare? Well, you know, we're, we've had a number, um, uh, but principally we're part of the research service. So they're not directly in healthcare right now, but we're, we're going through the process of testing a lot of these solutions in, in more prospective studies to to really before we get to the point where it's you know something that's made available in the clinic directly, but um, some good examples though uh, actually and, and this is one that is I think at this point already being deployed 
is that uh, in the initial tech sprint, the first one that happened in 2019, one of the products that we looked at was for medication adherence. So this is an app that the veteran or the patient would uh, install on their own device. Uh, that app could securely access then their medical records uh, with their permission, of course, um, as well as uh, drug databases that the FDA makes available. And so with this app, they would put their medication in the palm of their hand, uh, point the camera at the, at the medication, and it would detect what medications were in their hand, identify them, and that was a way of ensuring that you, know, you could log that they were taking the right medication and consistently. Uh, other examples that we're pursuing, for instance, there's an orthopedic uh, prototype where we're combining a lot of data from wearable sensors to make recommendations for physical therapy. That's in a very early stage right now. And finally, we have a lot of suicide prevention initiatives. Um, you know, unfortunately, that's, that's an issue that the VA is working very hard to address. It's unfortunate that it's such a prominent issue among veterans. Um, but we have a couple initiatives, for instance, applying natural language processing to improve triage of messages received by the VA so that we can direct our attention to those that are most vulnerable. And another initiative where we're looking to have patients opt into a system that would uh, uh, monitor their smart device usage to see patterns of behavior that might be troubling. Excellent. Thank you for sharing some of those. Um, and obviously, you're still running this program. There are many sprints ahead. So looking ahead, what are some of your upcoming plans for your sprints? And what do you hope to accomplish perhaps just in this year? Well, so a big role of our office's involvement has been in contributing to the uh, new direction we're taking towards privacy-preserving technologies, that we want to be able to securely access data. We, we want to make data available to the right researchers and product development, but we have, you know, first and foremost, a duty to protect the, the private health information of our veterans. So... That was a limitation uh, in some ways for the, mo the text rent model that we had previously, that if you wanted to work with multiple companies, of course we can't release PHI to those companies. So for the next text print, what we're looking at is a, instead a method of receiving uh, outside solutions, so like uh, uh, any team that's competing in the text print would then give us a solution that we could run up in a secure cloud environment within the VHA firewall. And once we verify that it's a secure solution, that it's you know something that's not going to leak information or, or cause us any kind of problems within our system, of course, this would be in a sandbox type system, uh, we could then provide some data to that secure environment and test the solution on actual veteran data, on actual de-identified veteran information and you know, evaluate the solution independently. Because uh, that, that was a limitation of the previous structures, that we had to you know, run by some sort of external validations and then bring them in, into the VA through pilot programs to uh, actually test how uh, effective the solution would be for veteran data. With this new approach, we, we would have a few sort of uh, additional requirements before uh, starting the text print, but that would allow us to get much further along in the piloting process. Yeah, and um, I'm wondering if, um, you know, this focus on privacy is coming through with the recent 
you know, boom in zero trust. It's coming up from from above again with the White House and its um, EO last year. So um, does that impact in the um, sort of newfound focus on zero trust and cybersecurity impact your decision to go for this? We're also involved in, in, you know, in informing those kinds of uh, policy decisions that there is certainly a, a, an approach to zero trust that also allows us to partner in very you know, mindful ways. And, and so our office, myself included, um, are, are working with the White House in a fast-track action committee to uh, have a report on privacy-preserving technologies and secure ways of sharing data towards the end of the year. So this will be a report that we, we send up for to inform policies such as the zero trust approach that we're taking now. But the intention is that, you know, there is, uh, certainly we're trying to ensure that our information's protected, that there are secure ways to work on these projects. But on the other hand, we, we do need to make some of this data available. And, and some of the stories we've heard, for instance, from cancer patients, cancer patients who may be terminal, is that they would like nothing more than to have their data contribute to part of that solution. You know, at that point, it's no longer a privacy concern, but this is an individual determination, and we certainly don't take that determination away. Uh, we just want to find technologies that allow us to preserve uh, privacy while being able to act on some of these uh, projects. Yeah, I mean, uh, we talk about privacy in all sorts of contexts across the government, but in healthcare, it's just a different monster because some people, like you said, with cancer, really want their data to, you know, help people down the road or even themselves, you know. Um, so that's a great point. And um, as I'm going to be, probably be asking everyone else across the conference, uh, what are one or two key takeaways that you want to give away to um, your audience as they come to hear you speak here? My, my presentation now, we have a few here from the National AI Institute, but my presentation will be focused on the uh, AI tech sprint process, what worked in the past, what worked in the previous one that we just concluded about a year ago, and what direction we're looking to take it in. And, you know, this is a model that we hope to replicate across uh, different agencies, and we certainly had a lot of communication about that, but uh, we, we had a lot of... I would say very productive outcomes of the last tech sprint, but at the same time there are, are limitations that that were, you know, sort of found in in retrospect that we'd like to address with, you know, by pitching a new iteration of this process. Excellent, and um, we definitely covered a lot of, um, you know, what you've done and what you look to uh, do forward here too. So um, it'll be nice to hear further with your session um, or others to hear from your session, um, you know, more in depth what you're doing there. And also, you know, there are lots of talks happening here at HIMSS. So what kind of central themes do you think will be really critical or, you know, will be the big highlight of the conference? And what kinds of sessions or, um, you know, topics are you zoning in on here? Well, so this is my first uh, visit to HIMSS, and so I'm sort of just uh, looking around for myself for the first time now here, but we're certainly looking for uh, tools that incorporate AI, especially for clinical decision support. Uh, and so, 
you know, uh, one of the big waves that I think will be the future of how these technologies are applied are in secondary uses, where secondary use is the reuse of existing data for, you know, additional value. Uh, a good case would be like, say, you go into your doctor's office um, for for imaging, like you're, there's a specific concern of some sort of cancer. Well, once we have that image sitting on our server, is there a way that we can use AI to look over that image to see if there's any additional findings that might be, you know, credible and wor worthy to, um, to, to look into. And so, you know, when you define credible and worthy, you got to really look into the trade-off of, uh, is it something, uh, well, we have to evaluate the model's effectiveness at consistently finding value. That sometimes, you know, you don't want to biopsy everything, but you also don't want to lower the threshold so much that nothing ever gets biopsied. Yeah, that's a great point, and I think is one that, you know, we hear different iterations of, um, you know, uh, like Ryan was saying, the testing process, and here you are um, trying to find some greater value in whatever you're trying to prototype. So um, I think that these are definitely themes that will you know, we'll be cross-cutting across hymns this week. And um, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Um, it was lovely talking to you, and I hope you have a, a great first round around hymns. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for tuning in. Follow our other shows for more coverage throughout the conference this week. And head to govciomedia.com to keep up with our hymns coverage. We'll be covering some of the key sessions throughout the conference, and we'll release daily newsletters so you don't miss a thing. GovCast, along with CyberCast and HealthCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at gcio.com. 